the Holy Gospel, according to St. Luke, the fourth chapter. Then Jesus, filled with the power of the Spirit, returned to Galilee, and a report about him spread through all the surrounding country. He began to teach in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Then he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated, and the children may come forward for a children's sermon. As usual, I've got a question for you. Okay. Have you ever learned something by watching someone else do it? Mm-hmm. Have you ever learned something by watching someone else do it? Mm-hmm. Can you give me an example of what you learned? <coughs> sure. Um, my coach is me a, new a new move in basketball, right? So you see someone else do it time and time again, and then you try to do it time and time again, right? Yeah. One time I went to a birthday party and uh, and at Finn's birthday party and I learned how to do karate. Karate. Nice. So someone shows you, then you practice it yourself, right? Yes. Yeah. What else do you learn by watching someone else do it? Do you sometimes think you're learning without even watching or without even meaning to? I think so, yeah. Sometimes you learn good things and bad things and everything in between based on what people around you are doing. When Jesus is teaching his disciples, he's trying to show them how to live. He's doing something And they're watching so that they can eventually do that thing too. And it all kind of starts today. Jesus tells us in this text everything that he's going to do. Right? And it's kind of five things. It's good news to the poor. 
It's release to the captives, letting people go who are caught. Recovery of sight to the blind, helping people see. Letting the oppressed go free, which means if people are in trouble or are being put into trouble by others, you make it stop. And proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Proclaim God's love for everyone. And Jesus goes on to do these things, doesn't he? Don't you sometimes wish you could watch Jesus do these things so you could learn how to do these things? I do too. I do think that God has given us something that helps, though. You see, God gives us the Spirit, every one of us, which is God. And this Spirit lives and breathes and moves throughout all of us here. And so when you see someone, even somebody as normal as the folks around here or folks that you see every day, when you see someone doing some of these things, giving good news to the poor, helping the caught go free, helping the blind to see, letting the people who are being hurt hurt no more, and telling everyone that God loves them. When you see people doing this, watch, just like you would watch Jesus, and learn a little bit more about what it looks like to live like Jesus. Now, I should tell you that sometimes this is difficult, just like learning a new basketball move or learning karate or anything else. Sometimes this is tricky. But that's okay. Because God loves you right now, before you even tried. And God will love you if it's tricky or if it's easy. And God will love you if you mess up or even if you're tempted not to do it at all. And God will love you no matter what. Just like God loves everybody else. God will love you. But God's also calling you to look at the ones who do these things and try to do them too. Does that make sense? Should we pray? Let's pray. God, you show us what you look like. You show us what living like you looks like. You've shown us yourself so many times. We ask that as the Spirit, as you move throughout the people that we know and strangers, that we might be able to see the ones who are acting like you, to look at what they're doing, and to practice it ourselves too. Thank you for being a God that continues to teach us and always loves us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. In the name of Jesus, amen. What did Jesus come to do?
Save us from ourselves. Teach. Teach. Fulfill the scriptures. Help the poor. Forgive and redeem. I think the standard line is save us from our sin. You are all right, by the way. (laughs) The standard line is to save us from our sin. And if you're like me, that phrase almost immediately brings you to the cross, right? It almost immediately brings you to that moment where Jesus gives up Jesus' own life for the sake of us and for all as we hear at communion. And this is true. But this is not the whole picture. Because Jesus' action of salvation for us, Jesus' action of saving us from our sins, is the cross and everything, everything else. Jesus' actions on the cross are never separated from the teachings, from the movement, from the service of Jesus. The cross is never detached from these things, but always on the cross we see the one who has done these things. And everything that begins in the verses that we're reading here. You see, Jesus picks up the scroll of Isaiah, well, is given the scroll of Isaiah, and he begins to read it And you hear him saying the words that were, yes, written before him, but as Jesus later claims, are written about him. These things are being fulfilled as you are hearing them. And it's that Jesus has been anointed. Jesus has been claimed and marked and sealed for this purpose. And it is the salvation that we expect on the cross, the salvation that we've been taught on the cross. But that salvation, when it is spelled out, sounds a little bit more intricate, doesn't it? Specifically, that salvation is good news to the poor and release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This is salvation. Now, I don't know about you, but this doesn't always sound like the salvation, salvation that I was taught. I was taught more of kind of a trade. I was taught Jesus dies for my sin, and Jesus takes my sin. And I think that's right, but I think there's more to it. I think there's more, as we see here today. Let me show you. Who among you has had news that you have shared with the poor and it was seen as good? In your hands, in your feet, in your pockets, in your words, who among you have, has had good news to share with the poor and they have received it as good? Some yes, some no. That's pretty standard. Who among you has seen the captives? Anyone who is being held captive, both in a very literal sense 
and in a metaphorical sense, by their own selves, by society around them, anyone who has seen the captives and helped them be released? Some yes, some no. Who has experienced blindness or who has seen the blind and helped them recover that sight, both in its literal sense and in its metaphorical sense? Some yes, some no. Who among us has seen the oppressed? I'll even go to say, who among us can name who the oppressed are? Who among us have seen the oppressed or have been the oppressed and has helped them go free? Some yes, some no. Who among you has done these things in their entirety and brought about the year of the Lord's favor? I'd say no. Much like the Ten Commandments, Jesus ties our salvation to God and to neighbor. On one side of the commandments, or the tablets, you see three dots or whatever they are. On the other side, you see seven. The three are the ones that are about God. The seven are the ones that are about neighbor. And here today, we see God, we see Christ, we see the Spirit saying, this is what I'm about. And it's all about the people. This is what I'm about, and it's all about your neighbor. This is what I'm about, and it's all about the ones who are in need. And so when we say Jesus has come to save us from our sins, we can look at this small litany of things and we can see that just like the commandments, if we've broken one, we've broken them all. We have not done these things. And the ways that we are tied to our neighbor have been broken. And so what does Jesus do? Jesus begins by collecting 12 people who aren't doing these things. They were fisher folk, they were tax collectors, but they weren't doing any of these things. And Jesus collects 12 people and literally marches them from town to town so that they can be with these people. They can be with the poor, they can be with the captive, they can be with the blind, they can be with the oppressed. And they can see, they can watch Jesus proclaim the year of the Lord's favor again and again. Now this doesn't make them better people, though it does change them. This doesn't make them more saved than anybody else. This does nothing as far as earning their salvation. But what this does do is that when they see Jesus on the cross and when they're scattered in the Garden of Gethsemane, they understand that what is dying there is not just one human being called the Son of God. It is everything that ties humanity together. Everything that ties us to the poor, the captive, the blind, the oppressed. And we see that die we see that rise because there is nothing God will allow to have that stop. This can't
cannot be stopped. This will not be stopped. This must happen. This is the will of God. I said very intentionally during the children's sermon that it is difficult to see Jesus. Because I see more of this litany of things being broken than I do see of them being fulfilled. But by the grace of God, God has once again collected here and in many, many places people like the disciples who are not doing these things in fulfillment. And Jesus, just like with the disciples, loves the people that are gathered here, loves the ones who aren't doing these things quite right or at all, and will begin to march us from text to text, from town to town, to have us hear again exactly what Jesus is about. And when we come to Good Friday, both that day in March that we actually call Good Friday, but any time we see hope dying in our lives, when we come to Good Friday, we will see on the cross not just a man, but we will see the way that God has bound humanity together, dying. And we will see the way that God has bound humanity together, rising. This is our salvation. It is not the way that we are saved and that we earn it. It is the way that God gives us life despite it. This isn't the way that we become, by our own accord, saved. This is the way that God saves us. It might be hard to see Jesus, but on this day, through this text, I can tell you with certainty where Jesus is. You will find Jesus where there is good news for the poor. And you will find Jesus where the captives are being released. And you will indeed find Jesus when those literally and metaphorically are being given back their sight, you will find Jesus when the oppressed are indeed named as oppressed and are released from that oppression by the people and systems that place them in these things. You will find Jesus there. So go. loved, go. You're already saved, you're already graced, but go. 
You're the people God has gathered to do this. Go. God be with you. Amen.